hey, it's Otto here. Um, so we thought we were going to jail. Yeah, we thought we were going to prison. Um, but luckily, the Admiral was more interested in fighting with her sister, the Administrator, than processing us, which was very convenient. Uh, we got taken to the palace, though, which is completely empty. And I thought, well, what a waste of architecture, you know. Um, however, we were sitting in our cell, and the little kid turns up. Says his name's Silver, and it turns out he's the son of the Emperor, and also our biggest fan. Who would have thought that we had a fan club? Oh, it is sick. I'm a celebrity. Anyway, so instead of going to prison, which was, you know, worst case scenario, we got invited to Silver's 13th birthday party. And when I say invited to, I mean like we were invited to make the birthday happen. Like, we put up crepe paper, we got food sorted, we invited people. It was, honestly, we should maybe change from being adventurers to being party planners. It was sick. Like, all the kids from that, like, underground clubhouse got invited. They were really cool. Uh, we got to meet the rest of the Holy Servants, so that's, like, the A sisters, you know. Which was kind of cool, actually, because, like, I got to see that really hot one again, and, oh, my God, she had not changed really weird way to end you know a heist and it was a great way to forget the fact that some of the city had collapsed but um after hanging out with all those kids I'd have a bit of a nap everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janison Griffiths Parchment Company. We are, well, we are at the end of our sixth arc. We are up to uh, Smoko 6. We've come a long way, guys. Yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> My name is Penny D. Uh, I will be your dungeon master and various NPCs today. Uh, and you know what? I actually, of all the household chores in my house, I really don't mind doing the dishes that much. Like I do quite enjoy getting some music on, and it's like there's like a um like a satisfaction to like getting them perfectly clean and like getting all the little bits of dirt off them and like scrubbing them so that they're like nice and clean. And like the part where you like stack them in the dishwasher so they all fit perfectly and like all the sized bowls stack on top of each other nicely. Like as far as chores go, it's kind of a satisfying job. I know I'm weird. No one likes doing the dishes. Hey, my name's Liz and I play Karen, your favorite dwarf barbarian. A chore that I don't mind doing in the house is, well, I don't mind doing the laundry actually. I quite enjoy hanging it out and making sure all of my pegs are matching. Oh my god. Which is, I know, that's weird. And then I bring them in, and then I usually sit in front of a TV program and fold them all, and I have quite a good time. It makes me feel like I am doing something productive while Netflix also and watching... Fold. Yeah, while also <laughs> watching Netflix for two hours or however long it takes me to fold all the laundry. The matching pegs things I totally get. Like, the matching pegs things I do understand. Yeah, you you have to match the pegs. And I have enough pegs that I can do like rainbows, so sometimes I'll do rainbows all the way across the 
<laughs> all the way across all of the all of the um lines just those just... small little pleasantries in life that no one else would notice or care about i get it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i knew it i'm steph and i play frankie the human artificer and i also agree with the the laundry side of things uh it's so much more satisfying hanging it up rather than putting it in the dryer on like a rainy day uh but it's just something nice when you like look back and you see like a full like clothesline full of like clothes and they're billowing in the breeze and you've matched up all the colors and you're like oh this is nice uh and then like when you fold it and they're all like fluffy and they feel good on your skin uh but i also really enjoy doing the vacuuming like I like to vacuum all the floors, the corners, the skirting boards, the like the ceiling and getting the cobwebs. Like I really enjoy doing a deep vacuum. Is that the same kind of thing with me and the dishes where like it's like a completionist thing where you like, you know, do all the stripes properly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Steph, I need you to move in. <laughs> okay, I will. Like <laughs> like I I only like doing the vacuuming when you have like a really good vacuum cleaner. Mm. Like I've got a We've got like a, back at home, we have like a Dyson Big Bowl vacuum that has like just amazing suction and it leaves those amazing streaks and you're like, oh, "Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Cool. I'm an adult and I love vacuuming. Thank you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Poppy. I play Arifa, the Tiefling Rogue. And I think I would consider myself a bit of like a binge cleaner. So like, I don't, like, I... I do what needs to be done during the week, but then every now and then I'll just do a binge clean. So you like tie up your hair in a handkerchief and get absolutely like your, yes. Get your like you know cleaning clothes out and just do like a full blitz of the whole house. Absolutely yes. So that's like yeah, it's like clean like getting the jiff out, getting the bleach out, cleaning the shower, making it look like crisp, vacuuming the floors. Oh, that's kind of yeah. So it's not one particular thing, but it's just that feeling of putting a day aside for it and then like standing and it kind of reminds me of that um the studio ghibli movie where they fix up at school Uh oh that's so satisfying it's so ghibli yeah Uh, up on poppy i think it's actually it's all called up on poppy hill so there you go it's up on on your hill so i don't really i want you all guys to come to go at my house so i'm not really into cleaning at all um, in fact, we have to make ourselves do, like, 30-minute stints, like, during the week. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll just do 30 minutes of tidying to get this done. Um, but I am a bit of a hoarder, and we only have – we don't have a garage, so our spare room is actually storage room slash craft room. And I really do enjoy constantly reorganizing how things are, like, stored. Um, and either that or the weeding. But, anyway, this isn't about Weeding. My hobbies. Weeding's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. It's still a chore. I forgot to introduce the way. <laughs> so I'm I'm Nate and I play Flinva, the very charming halfling bard, who also <laughs> is a bit of a hoarder, but in different ways. He hoards sales. <laughs> he certainly does. Uh, well, so this is not a life improvement, house cleaning, get your shit together <laughs> podcast. It is a and d podcast where nobody has their shit together, except maybe Karen. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Who's keen to uh, get into a little bit of a smoke episode and have some fun one-on-one scenes? Oh, absolutely. So yeah, same. Me too. I mean, well, it depends on who you've who you're doing your scene with because you sound like you're a little bit scared of the person <laughs> you're, you're going to do the scene with. No, I'm just. I I I was like, yeah, me too. But then, like, wait, what did other people say? And why am I saying me too? What am I, what am I me tooing? <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, ah, Frankie, like me, me too, Steph, me too. <laughs> I'm so 
The winter sun rises slowly over the great walled city of Emesa, bringing a new day along with it. Carts swing into action, machinery warms up, and pencils are put to paper. This is all usual for life in the city, but what is not usual is that today, all the buzzing is of the same tune. Only one topic is on the minds and tongues of the Umesan workers today. Ace Alley, full of debauchery, excitement, and some would assume crime, has fallen into the sewers and is completely destroyed. Rumors of murderers, monsters, and crime lord wars are running rampant. Wild speculation is creating some truly epic explanations for the pile of rubble that now sits idly in the center of the West District. Frankie. No. We're actually going to rewind a little bit because that was, I was describing the morning, but it's not the morning yet. You spent your evening at home, but it was hard to rest. You tried reading. You tried tinkering with hands, who you managed to collect back from Karen. You tried taking a bath, but there was simply too much on your mind. So at around 11 p.m., you grab a scarf and a coat and you decide to go for a walk. You didn't really have a destination in mind, so on a whim, you pull out the compass that Quisp gave you and you absently follow it. It takes you northwest from home, so you wander the streets, finding a familiar path towards the center circle. Do you go into the park? Yes, I do. You wander further, not assuming that you might find a door hidden amongst some shrubbery, but maybe just something interesting, something that you can actually fix. When suddenly someone grabs you from behind, and you feel cold steel on your throat. (laughs) You picked the wrong night to wear a dead man's face in my city, bub. Who the hell are you? Uh, uh, just me, Frankie, he says, tears in his eyes. Prove it. Uh, 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 he, like, goes to pull out, uh, slowly, you know, not making any sudden movements, out of his jacket pocket, his work ID with a very unflattering photo, like he's partly blinking in it and just says his full name. Anyone could have that card. How do I know that you're really Frankie? Uh, 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 can, can anybody do this? And he tries to do that, like, magic trick with his fingers where, like, <laughs> like the, the, the two rings pass through each other, but there's just a magic trick with his fingers. <laughs> he's panicking. He doesn't know how to prove he's Frankie. <laughs> the arms let you go and you turn around and it's Murphy who's standing there with a knife in the dark and he stares at you for a long time squinting at you and tightly gripping his knife (laughs) and just when you think he's about to believe you he lunges you flinch thinking that you're again about to face death but instead of pain you feel arms around you and something that you never really expected sobbing what the heck Frankie is at first very confused, uh, and then he's like, oh, oh, you're crying, oh, and he just, like, embraces him in a deep hug, and it's like, there, there, I know you didn't mean to stab anybody. (laughs) Murphy holds you for a full minute, not saying a single word, before he breaks the embrace and wipes his face with a handkerchief from his breast pocket. Ah, I tell you, kid. You sure know how to make a fella regret. Ah, uh, never mind. You okay? What are you doing out here? Uh, I'm just, you know, thinking. I got a lot on my mind. A lot of shit's happened. I mean, a lot of stuff has happened. 
uh, to me. And, uh, yeah, you know. Hmm. Um, I got a little business out here tonight. Maybe you'd uh, like to help me out. It's not much compared to what you normally get up to, but maybe it'll help you uh, process. Yeah, I'd like, you know, I'm always down to help my friends. <laughs> and he said, you know, gives him a little like tap on the, because, you know, Frankie's not strong. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> so you, um, you follow Murphy into the dark. A couple of times he has you both hide in the bushes while guard patrols walk by, but for the most part, you're alone in the park. You make it over to the entrance of the North District, and Murphy begins digging around the bushes. So, um, you've been through a lot, huh? Yeah. Where, where did you, where'd you go? How'd you get back here? To be honest, I don't even really know. You know, I used to think I was a really smart person, but after being in that whole other dimension, there's so much I don't know, and now I'm, like, sort of questioning everything I do know. It's... I don't know where I was or how I got there or how I got back. And now I want to find that information. I want to study, but this place is just so restrictive with things like that. The other side and back again, huh? Yep. Well, what do you think? What do you make of it all? Uh, I definitely think there's bigger things uh, out there than things that even we we can even comprehend as people, you know? I get you. Oh, here we go. Dead drop. Uh, grab a bag or two, dude. Well, usually this will take me a couple of trips, so it'll be helpful to have you on. Okay. Murphy slowly drags four sacks out of a hollow tree. Um, they're dry, so they can't have been there all that long. They're heavy, but not so heavy that you can't sling them over your shoulders and carry them both at once. Yeah. And he starts leading you south back through the park again. Okay, so um, what now? We got our Electrum trade all set up, and apparently that douchebag that had your names and addresses in my store and whatnot ain't a problem no more, so what do you want to do now? The more I experience everything, the less I want to, you know, go back to how things used to be. You know, I don't... I, I never want to go back to that life after seeing so much of, you know what we could potentially do mm. i want to be better i want to be i want to know more i want to do more i want to make more i feel you ma'am there's got to be more to this life now you know before i met you i was just a grunt i was just a guy that ran errands and some big rich asshole told me what to do every minute of my day and if i didn't hop to that was it that would be it for me for a long time and I kind of feel you. I didn't want to live like that anymore. And I kind of wouldn't want to change the way that things are now either. You know, I got some, I got some cool friends. I feel like I got a bit of a purpose going on and I got a really good business. And you know, all that stuff's pretty, I feel like you're probably thinking like a little bit, dreaming a little bit higher than me, but like, yeah, I do understand the like, the vibe of what you're saying, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, it's never too early to start dreaming, so if you know what you want to be, maybe it's time to start working towards that, you know? I know. And he sort of looks off into the distance, and he kind of pulls out out of his little pocket. He has a, you know, like one of those uh, prospectuses from universities? Oh, yeah? So he sort of pulls one out of his pocket. That You, know, you can tell he's been looking at it. It's been folded in. It's very creased, and, you know, he's definitely been 
thinking about this for a while and hmm. you know maybe that was just the the push that he needs to you know potentially seek higher education i'll be interested to see where that goes frankie yes so you reach the center of the park you've been here many times this is where the the big platform is this is where the goose problem started this yeah. is the big center of the park and Murphy, you know, puts down his puts down his sacks and he starts rubbing his shoulders and he looks over at you and he's like, Hey, um, so I know you weren't dead for all that long, but I feel pretty terrible about, you know, setting all that up. Asus was never gonna make a deal with us. And all of that could have been for nothing. You almost died for nothing. Frankie turns to Murphy and he's like, With the pursuit of knowledge, it was never for nothing. Murphy I, I can't even explain to you what I see you. I don't think I would have had that opportunity. Like you, you have literally single handedly changed the course of this whole operation. Thanks, man. Uh, Murphy walks right up to you and he puts a hand on your shoulder. Huh. I, uh, I just want you to know I wasn't going to let your family starve. Okay. Uh. Thanks, Murphy. He says, and his tears welling up in his eyes. And, and there's a moment, there's a single moment where the two of you are only in arms with the pot, alone in the center of the park, and the energy between you is warm, friendly, wild. Steph, I have to ask you first. Does Murphy lean in? Murphy leans in. Frankie, you feel the hand on your shoulder move to your cheek, and the natural warmth of the Janasi skin on yours. And while your scientific mind is for a moment wondering how his biology works, you suddenly feel warm, soft lips on yours, and the heat becomes less physical and more emotional. Excuse me, but what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) Murphy uh, pulls back, uh, smirking his classic Murphy smirk, and he strains his waistcoat and his tie, and he looks back over at you. All right. Enough of this uh, sappy stuff. Let's officialize this suspicious accent, if you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Murphy goes over to the execution tower, um, the one that the first goose was thrown from, and he feels around a bit with his foot, and then he taps out a pattern. And one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. That ought to do it. Get that sack, bud. We don't want our merchandise getting stolen now, do we? No, we do not, unless we actually do. And from beneath the tower, uh, a hatch opens, and people start climbing out of it. Small people. Small giggling people. Small giggling people running up and laughing and doing cartwheels and trying to reach into Murphy's pockets. Yeah, 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 I'm early, I know. Hey, don't touch that. Take your food, you lousy kids. Where's Tuffle? This ain't no way to run a transaction. And indeed, the the children of the clubhouse uh, open up the sacks, and you see that they're full of food. Bread, cheese, covered pots of soup, blocks of chocolate. And they all start eagerly digging in as Murphy hands over, you know, all the sacks, all the food, and his genuine smile really not matching his tough guy words. And hey, look, Uncle Frankie's got some too. Go mob him. He's got just as much as me. And as the shrieking children start to swarm you, Frankie, you feel a little hand in your back pocket where you put the compass. And you turn around and there's a little girl holding it. And you watch as the needle spins lazily around and around and around. She looks up at you and smiles, holding the compass up to you and taking a bread roll out of the sack. What's this, Mr. Frankie? Uh, that's just a special gift a friend of mine gave me. Frankie, you've leveled up. 
Yay! But oh my god! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Frankie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your level up? So Frankie is leveling up uh, still to level 8 artificial, so he's not multiclassing at all. So he's just, instead of getting a feat, he's going to go for an improvement score. So he's just going to go take two in intelligence to bring it up to 20. Oof. So he's a, he, he going to be smart boy. He's the peak of, uh, the peak of human intelligence now. Human intelligence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Frankie. Yes. Frankie, yeah. the guy who did the ring thing with his fingers to prove who he was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> human oh, intelligence. <laughs> yeah, intelligence doesn't mean straight smarts. That's right. <laughs> Which he is lacking. And so you so you got an ASI. Is there anything else that you did with your level up? I swapped out my cantrips. Okay. I changed. So I have Firebolt, which I kept. Uh, and I have Acid Splash now. Cool. So I've got some really cool ideas with that. Awesome. That sounds really cool. You know, how I'm going to flavor it uh, as I do with Frankie's spells. So, yeah. I always enjoy hearing how Frankie's spells work. I think the fishing pole is currently my favorite, but yeah. I also really liked the grenade that you threw over your shoulder when you did fairy fire and yeah. a couple other things like that have been really cool. So um, well done, Frankie. Thank you. Karen. Yes. It's been a week since you got home. You've been back at work. Is there anything that you've accomplished since you got back to Yamesa? Karen has been working very hard she's gone back into full work mode but she has been putting in zero overtime this week she's gone to work she arrives exactly at the time she's supposed to she leaves at exactly the time she's supposed to and she goes home and every night this week she's made sure to sit around the family dinner table and have dinner with her family which usually happens a few times a week but not every single day <laughs> but she's really really putting in the effort to make sure that her family is coming first yeah yeah that's fair i think after everything that karen's been through not just to reservoir employees but all the way <laughs> through hivewood bound as well yes um, i can definitely see why she would behave that way people have been talking and your kids have had some questions about things that people are saying about you and you've been putting it off for long enough and once Barry arrives home for his time off, you figure it's probably time. You plan a special family dinner and Barry volunteers to cook your kid's favorite food. What does he make? He makes a lasagna. Wolves make a really good lasagna, lots of cheese. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so you all sit down to dinner and you eat, a, you know, start serving up lasagna and basalt immediately starts up. <laughs> Okay, mom, dad, everyone at school is saying you're like a criminal or something. What happened when you went to the forge? Okay. I suppose it is time to talk to all of you properly because it is your father's home now and I, I... Hello. <laughs> and it's I've been me, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I've been I've been putting it off and I'm I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Basalt. It's it's hard to have to tell your children about things that you've done, especially when they're not exactly and she kind of looks at Barry and holds his hand and she says, not exactly legal. So I have something very important to tell all of you, and I want you to know that this does not change our family. 
I still love you all very much, and I love your father very much, but I am magical. And uh, she <laughs> and she waits for the reactions. Okay, yeah, your daughter, Emerald, looks up at you with, like, big eyes, and she's like, is it wrong to use magic? Well, darling, um, it, it is. Uh, it, magic has been considered lost to everyone for over 100 years, and it's, it, 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 as it turns out, it hasn't vanished. It's just become extremely regulated. And what does regulated people, mean? Uh, it means uh, it means that only some people are allowed to use it. And your mother, that's me, is someone who wasn't allowed to use it. But Obsidian, your other son, uh, interrupts <laughs> and he's like, am I going to turn magic too? Can I turn my friends into frogs? Well, uh, Obsidian, I love you very much, my dear. And you can do anything that you want to. Uh, I can always see about you putting in an application to the Mages College. How does that sound? Will I be able to turn my friends into frogs? Maybe with a lot of hard study and very good grades. Boring! <laughs> well, that's just how it happens, Obsidian, darling. You have to work hard to achieve what you want. And what I want is a... Ymir City, that is safe for my children and my family, and I'm willing to do anything to get that, even if it is being a criminal. Uh, and em Emerald then says, um, is this why the other dwarf mums are saying that my friends can't come over to play? Oh, oh Emerald, darling, yes, I, it, it is, it is why, I, I think, probably. And I'm sorry about that. However, how about next time we have a holiday, we can go to the hives. I know that I've never taken you there, and there's been good reason for that. But I think that you will really enjoy it. You'll be able to meet all of your cousins, and you'll be able to meet my sisters and my brothers. And we can go on some caving expeditions and things like that. How does that sound? We have aunties and uncles? What are our aunties and uncles like? They are very important. So sometimes they will be doing very, very busy jobs. But they're also a lot of fun. And I think you will like them. Especially Jade. I think you'll like Jade a lot, Emerald. Wow. And Basalt... I think Alicast. I think you really like Alicast. What was who's Alicast? I've never heard that name before. I know. That's my little sister. She's your auntie. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And she's magical too. Do you think that we would be able to meet Nani? And and uh, Barry's like, um, no. Nani. <laughs> Nani's Nani's real mad at. <laughs> at mom and at auntie Alicast and but she won't be mad at you i think you guys will be able to meet nani <laughs> i think so too i think it might be good for her to see how far we've come 
Thank you, Barry. Mum, are are you going to get in trouble with the guards? You know what? I've already had a talk to the guards, and we are on good terms. Wow. So you don't have to worry about that, okay? How did you do that? With all the, with all the Warforged? Yeah, I'm, that's because I'm magical. Wow. And I can, and... <laughs> I'm sorry for lying to you and keeping secrets from you for so long. And I know it's it's part of our family to never keep secrets. And I'm sorry that I did. And it was wrong of me. And I shouldn't have kept this very important thing from you. But everything is going to be okay. And you can trust me and your father. We will keep you safe. And I hope that you can forgive me. Mommy, are you going to get hurt? I might get hurt. I've been hurt before, though, and I've always come back home. Okay? Okay. So I'll always come back home. The dinner is full of conversation. The kids want to know, you know, all about what spells that you can cast and, like, you know, can you make fireworks happen and can you make their homework <laughs> magically get done by itself? And they want to know, they want to know all about it. Like, they really don't get that you're an um, unfortunate rage monster. They really, <laughs> like, want to know more about the kind of stuff that, like, Flynn and, uh, and Frankie could do. Um, <laughs> do, um, do I have any Electrum left? You tell me what's in your inventory after the fight with Bobby. You said that the Admiral searched us, so I... She only took your seals from you and you got them back. Seals. Yes, we did. Okay, so I've got... Thank you. Oh, yeah, I've got four Electrum left. Okay. So I will do I will do one trick for the kids. And <laughs> that one trick is Basketball Karen. <laughs> so you go out to the backyard and you do like, an, like a rage and an enormous jump? Yes. Oh, my God. Cool. Uh, and she, she says, okay, well, we've got to be very careful because, as you know, not many people like it that some people are magical, so I'm not going to do it again, but I will show you one special trick. And she jumps real high in the air, and it's very cool. <laughs> it's uh, very cool because, like, everyone's, like, got their plates and they're still eating lasagna while you're doing yeah. this. She's like, got two. <laughs> and you jump super high in the air and they're like, Wow! When you come down, do you do the classic superhero landing? The like Iron Absolute, Man? Absolutely, she does. Maybe the Black Widow one where you've got the arm like way out. Yeah, the fist on the ground, one yeah. one leg kneeling, arm out. And she says, Whoa! Well, let's go back inside and finish the lasagna. But wow. that's kind of the thing that I can do. Everybody's a little bit different. And your twin boys are like, Can we tell our friends that our mom is magic? No, no, no. No. But you said that it was fine with the guards. It's fine with the guards, but not everyone will understand basalt obsidian. It's we. I, I'm telling you, because I don't want to keep it a secret from you anymore. But let's call it a surprise. And until the guards and Ymir City say it's okay, <laughs> we are keeping it a surprise within our family. Okay. Okay, Mom. Roll me an insight check. They're gonna fucking tell. They're gonna fucking tell, little shit. Oh my god. <laughs> the little shit are gonna tell. Yeah. Little shit are gonna tell. <sighs> That's a 15. They're kids, right? So, like, in this moment, in this <laughs> moment right now, during the family dinner, when they tell you that they're not gonna tell, 
they probably mean it. But also, <laughs> like, kids are idiots, right? Like, every single one of them. And so, you are not super convinced mm. that it's not going to make it, like, into the playground in a moment where, like, they're being teased and they want to turn it back around. <laughs> they, they might not tell, but it's probably going to come out eventually. But on the, on the plus side, who's going to believe them? <laughs> so, it's probably fine. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you did do a very public uh, magical, like, act in front of the entire, like, dwarf society. And there's plenty of dwarfs here in the city, so it might be rumors, but it's probably gonna end up coming out sooner or later. Yeah, that's why I said surprise, not a secret. Yeah. <laughs> so, after dinner, you're lying down uh, by the crackling fire, helping Barry to stretch out his back. Something that you guys do pretty often because you know he's got a he's getting a bad back in you know, all of his mining time, <laughs> and he looks over at you and he's like, "Oh, thought that went pretty well." I think so too. I'm I'm sorry I kept it from you as well. Mm. Uh, it 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 was it all happened very fast and it was all of a sudden I was being threatened by certain members of the town nobility and it it's I, I always I wanted to tell you before I get it I get it can I you might have asked you a couple of questions now absolutely absolutely please anything how long has this all been going on anyway who else was involved Cu a couple of months not long just since just before the goose incident hmm. it, it was we were I, I Oh gosh! It all it all started at work, Barry. You wouldn't believe it. We were sent on a mission to <laughs> at the parchment company. Yes, we were sent to go and retrieve some missing shipment, and it, we all. Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm saying we. Uh, I I recruited Frankie, who's that lovely what? human boy who you've met before. <laughs> Wait, I thought you told me that he was dead. Oh. Oh, yes, he's... It turns out he's not dead. Um, All right. That's a whole other story. But yes, and the other two who were also uh, with us at, at the Hives, uh, uh, Flynn and Idafa, we all have magical powers because, I think, because of these stones, and she kind of shows her necklace. Hmm. And it's it's all just happened so fast. You know, I wondered what was up when you stopped changing necklaces every day. It really wasn't like you to wear the same <laughs> thing twice in a row. I know, and it's not it's not the prettiest as uh, even. I've got much better ones, and I know, and you've given me much better ones. I just it's this is this is the one that's uh, been the most useful, apparently. <laughs> so, um, how much money are you spending on all of this? <laughs> oh, it's been just mostly the money from uh, 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 the parchment company. You don't have to worry what? about it. I'm not cutting into it. It's your our... money, darling. It's always been our agreement that that's your money. I know. I just want to know whether I'm writing off donations to tiefling churches off on my taxes. That's all. <laughs> no, no. It's all okay. It's all above board. And uh, it's it's all in cash, so you don't have to worry about it. Les. Yeah. You you never told Barry about the donation that you made to the Tiefling Church. 
<gasps> I never told Terry about the donut. Wait, 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 wait. The Hold on. How did you know about that? Oh, some receipt I saw on the bench. I thought it was junk mail, but it was a, a re- it was addressed to Mrs. Stonecutter. Oh. And he gets up and he goes to the kitchen and he returns to it with a slip of paper and he says, here it is. Um, we thank you for your protection of our citizens and your generous donation from the Church of Delton. Right. Yes. Yes, we did do that. Uh, well, uh, that was part of saving the city, the Church of Delton. The Church of Delton. Uh, of of course, of course. Karen, you've leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about Karen's level up? Karen's level up was pretty simple. I'm now a barbarian level eight. I have 77 HP, which is slowly getting better after all the really terrible HP rolls I made. I have chosen to do a feat. Oh, which feat did you choose? I've chosen Sentinel. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good Good call. Good call. Do you want to give us a little rundown of what that is for people who don't know? Absolutely. So Sentinel is when a creature tries to move away from you, you can stop them in their tracks and you can also in- ignore the disengage action. So if they try to disengage and then move away from you, you can still get them. And as well as that, you can also use a reaction to attack a creature that is adjacent to you, which is attacking an ally. So this is all very good. Very, very good stuff for Karen. It a lot of battlefield control stuff, right? Battlefield control fits her perfectly. Yeah, perfect. And there's any, anything else that you got for your level up? Yeah. So we were actually talking about doing a homebrew addition to the Totem Barbarian, which I believe you called... Versatile Totem. Versatile Totem. Yes, that's the one. So because because I did the totems wrong, whoops, we're, we're changing it a little bit. A little bit of a peek behind the curtain, Liz messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so the Totem Barbarian has totems which allow them to do certain things, but they lock in when you choose them and you and there's no versatility to them, which has always been a little bit of a weak point of the Totem Barbarian. So we have chosen to introduce a little homebrew rule which allows me to on a long rest I can choose one totem and swap it with another totem from the same level so for example the level three bear which gives you resistance to resistance to all attacks except for psychic I could swap that for the tiger totem of the same level which is the basketball Karen totem yeah which is my favorite yeah so this just gives Karen a little bit more versatility with what she can do from day to day. And uh, I will just need to make sure that when we finish a long rest, or for example, before we start an adventure, because often we will you know, skip days, yes. that uh, you just let us know, hey, by the way, I'm swapping out my totem. I'll be using you know, the level six eagle or whatever from, for a while. Um, Absolutely. And if you, don't, if you don't announce it until the time where you would need to use it, I'm not going to let you, uh, I'm not going to let you swap, okay? I can understand that. Cool. <laughs> but thank you for doing that for me. It, it it makes it makes Karen feel a little bit more versatile, which is cool. And like, it's a podcast, right? If you use the same ability over and over again for like a hundred episodes, it gets boring. So gets boring. Yeah. So the ability to like do different stuff is going to be quite useful. And I'm looking forward to seeing how you channel the different animals. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
Kyoto Penny here. Sorry for interrupting right as things get spicy, but we'll just do some quick announcements and then we'll let you get back into it. We just wanted to give you all a heads up that Liz and I are going to be quite busy this season, so we won't be posting another episode until after the new year. But you should know that our next arc is all recorded and ready to entertain you. It's called Domain of the Ordinary, and I'm sure you'll all love it as the story starts to ramp up. We're now into the second half of the series, so you can start expecting those good, good lore drops. Thank you very much to our JBPC patrons who have been supporting the show. James Courtright, Samsara at Gamers ADHD, Waffles the Magic, Claire McDonald, Jules Bergeser, Bachelor Katerina Von Palimpset, Shobna Lee, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, and brand new subscriber Jesse Wesson. We really appreciate the money that you've been putting into the show, and it's really helped us to train our new editor and hopefully giving you guys a better experience every episode. If you would like to become a supporter of the terrible adventures of the Janice and Breffitt's Parchment Company, go check out patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast. There are multiple tiers with lots of different rewards you can unlock, and we post patron-only exclusive content there from time to time. Music credits, thanks to Asher Falero for Forest Lullaby and Glimpsing Infinity, Diala for Indecision and Organic Guitar House, Young Logos for Intellect, Nathan Moore for March of the Hares and Wager with Angels, King Canyon for Mulholland, Anno Domini Beats for Prey, Esther Abrami for Number 2, Remembering Her, Telecasted for Seasons, Bail Bonds for Swimming Lessons, Half.Cool for Yes and No at the same time, and Mini Vandals for Zula. As always, our social media pages are facebook.com slash Podcast and at jbpcpodcast on Twitter. Keep an eye out on the Kiwi RPG hashtag for all sorts of things that Kiwi creators like us are doing with their projects. I'm starting a brand new JBPC tradition, which is our Twitter poll. So for this episode, our Twitter question is, what's your JBPC ship? Tag us at JBPC Podcast and let us know which characters you'd like to see take after Murphy and Frankie with all the smooching. Well, that's it from me. Enjoy your Christmas. Stay safe out there and we'll see you again in 2023. Love you guys. Flynnbar. It's me, Flynnbar. <laughs> Sorry. Flynnbar, it's now two weeks uh, since Silver's birthday. What have you been up to? Oh, so I was very interested in the Archmage, and I have a new friend, Welby, who is a little, what I assume, a little dragon. So Flynnbar would be very interested in looking into what exactly it means to be a dragon or have a dragon it's funny you should say that actually <laughs> anything else that you've been up to also catching up on sales so he still has some milestones to be um on top of his board you know you can save the world but you're still going to do your job keep your, keep your tally up and it's a very important thing for him roll me a quick d100 bud F- 58 58 cool you can add 58 golds uh to your total um, just from commissions since you've been back and since you've been, um, you know, hitting the road and getting those sales down again. So add 58 gold uh, at, from commissions that you've been doing uh, these last couple of weeks. Cool. So you're at home. You've finally got around to doing a little inventory. You've got a nice pineapple upside down cake that your mother has given you two days to finish. And so, you know, while you're chomping through it with a nice side of iced tea that your butler Nimbus has bought you, 
Whereabouts is Welby? What does Welby do when you're hanging out at home? So I've created, well, I've introduced him to Nimbus because I trust him with my life. And so we've got a false bookshelf and it opens up and then behind it is a little window um, that goes out to the outside. And there's like a little, he's got like an armchair, <laughs> like armchair roost and like um, a little bookshelf that's got like a little picture in it. Okay, Flynn really likes Welby. You built him a little tiny bedroom? Yes. <laughs> Cute. Yep, and he's got little roost um, things and a little fireplace that he can light stuff in if he wanted to, because I'm not sure exactly. And can he come and go as he pleases from your room? Like, from yes. your space? Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, so you're digging around in the bag of holding, you're drawing out, you know, anything you can, and you're cataloging everything, because you figure, you know, if everything gets lost, <laughs> it's probably a good idea to I might have another dragon. things. <laughs> another dragon. Yeah. <laughs> And you um you pull out the uh, pearl you know the pearl shine stone. Do you remember what Murphy told you about this? No. Uh, okay, roll me uh, roll me a history check. Twi- uh, a natural twenty. Yeah. So Murphy told you it was a sending stone. Oh, that's right. And what you know about sending stones is that they come in pairs, and they're essentially like a two-way phone. So you could speak into it and whoever has the other one if they're if they're holding it they would be able to hear your message and speak back to you and it is a uh you've had it for a pretty long time and you've never really like tried to use it before now now he's curious about what he's been carrying around the whole time <laughs> so he's set himself he doesn't know how this works so he's cleared himself some room in his living room and he's holding it really close like cradling it to his mouth and he goes good day is anybody there there's a knock at your door and you look up from the stone, and you see a familiar, pale face. Uh, it's the administrator. Oh! Um, she's dressed much more casually than you've seen her before. She's wearing a floral yellow dress, and she's got her hair down. <laughs> and for a second, you wonder, actually, maybe this is a sixth sister. Uh, Hello, Mr. Onigan. I was wondering if I could have a word. Oh, uh, yes, please have a seat, Miss, uh... You can call me Minnie. M- Miss Minnie? Yes, would you like some refreshments? And a lovely piece of cake, maybe. It's uh, my mother's favorite. Certainly. I like surfaces. She comes in and she sits down. You know, she's wearing like she's wearing nice heels. She's clearly like taking the time to like dress nice and come in to when she comes to you. Um, don't worry, we're only going to do one kissing scene today. That's we're we're, we're done with we're done with smooches for today, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But she comes in and she you know she takes a plate of cake and a spoon from you, um, and you know she she gets some iced tea. Um, and she sits down and she says, I'm not here to blackmail you or to yeah. command you or to threaten your friends. I want to try something different oh. if you would be open to it. I mean, that does. I love negotiations. So I'm going to offer you something for free. And then I'm going to ask something of you. And I do genuinely hope that you choose to pursue it. Well, my mother always says you can always ask, but you might not get. So I'm all ears. Of course. I'm going to tell you about how I came to be. Oh, okay. May I take notes? Why not? Okay. He pulls out like his little writing book. <laughs> He's like, all right, uh, Miss, Miss Minnie. <laughs> I was not born, Mr. Onagon. I was created. Oh. Along with my sisters, a god fashioned me from cloud and sunlight and gave me purpose. A single, defining purpose. I was to make this place work at the service of the Emperor. It was my one and only mission in life to make Yumiya City sing. What does it mean to make the city sing? You mean like a flourishing metropolis or like literally a, a tune? Sorry, I'm all learning. I'm learning here. She actually holds up her arm and she has a tattoo uh, along the underside uh, of her, the like bottom part of her arm. 
uh, and it, it, it's written vertically, uh, and it says, The Administrator, to guide the Emperor's city and nation into economic prosperity. Back then, I was on a divine mission, for whom I believed was the most important person in the world. The Emperor back then, his name was Shiran. And to be frank with you, Flinvar, he was an awful person. Petty, jealous, vindictive. Mm. You have to be, to be an emperor. To live in a palace, you have to embrace the idea that others must live in the dirt. And so it went. The six of us and the emperor. We would balance life for him in the city, and he would, with his moods, unbalance it. That was the way that it was. And eventually, he ascended. His son came to power, and he was just as bad. Worse, really. He didn't listen to us, we were just a help. And so on. These men with time only ever got worse. More selfish, greedier, more paranoid that their rule might be questioned. But of course, thanks to the work of my sisters and I, it never did. So you're saying that part of your role has also been the balance to the Emperor's egos, right? Like the community check. It's not uh, in writing anywhere, but when the Emperor's actions sometimes oppose our purposes, yes. It takes a lot of hard work to make a city like this run. And so, for example, my sister the Admiral, who you met recently, her tattoo says to command the armies of the Emperor for the good of the Empire. Mm. That is her That is her role. That is her purpose. I suppose you must be wondering why I'm telling you this, Mr. Onagon. Why do you imagine? I am very curious. I, I hope it's to help Silver. She sighs a bit kind of like looks just like eats a bit of cake quietly chews it and she says i have lived a long time and i have flaws i have spent so much time running the ins and outs of the city that i am guilty of seeing that inhabitants as just numbers and numbers can be manipulated they can be predicted they can be calculated and fitted and put away and i I could offer you a hundred excuses for why I approached you and your friends the way that I did, but I won't. I just wanted you to see that I am old and foolish and tainted by my service to selfish men and their awful, covetous wives. I have a favor to ask of you, but before I ask, you can ask me any questions that you have. I'll do my best to answer them. So, you control what magic is left because it's illegal. So you try and take it out of the city, but where did it go originally? What happened? We know the gods died, the magic dwindled. Why are there still bits of got like magic around, and how do you exist? It's difficult to answer that question because I honestly don't have all the information, but um. What do you know of the weave? Should I roll a history check? <laughs> uh, roll me an arcana of... check. Oh, 18. So the weave is 
kind of like an invisible network of magic that like runs beneath the plane of existence that we're on. Like kind of imagine like like a crisscross pattern of magic that connects not just around the world, but connects all of the other worlds together and kind of like supposedly holds the universe together. So I kind of, I say, I said that I've spent a bit of time talking to mages and what I understand is, yeah, about the weave and how it works is it, it's an the underlining system that kind of functions as part of the world, even we can't see it. More or less. Yeah. The state of magic is currently unnatural. There's supposed to be a flow to the way that the world works. Like I said, I don't have all the information, but the disappearance of the gods and the disruption of the weave appear to be closely interconnected. They appear to be likely one and the same incident. I have spent my time here in the city doing taxes and running numbers and i wonder if there are better people to answer this question as for magic in the city i don't control the laws i just don't we're doing our best to run the city in the and she stops herself like and and says we're, we're doing our best to run the city <laughs> uh that, that's probably a question for the admiral she and I have not had the mm, most smooth of relationships lately. Does the Empire want the world to be without magic? Or universally? I don't speak for the Emperor. I'm simply here to run the numbers. I can't answer that question for you. I think the world would be smoother if magic had returned, but it has not. Hmm. And while a limited supply of magic creates imbalance and it creates warfare mm. because the powerful will always try to take from the meek what the meek cannot hold on to for themselves so in the interest of the people we cannot allow magic until everybody has access to it it's just simply too destabilizing hmm. i really appreciate your candor at the moment as you can you said that you weren't the person to ask or to know all these things do you have someone else you could suggest that I could talk to? Because I really want to learn more about this situation because it is affecting the everyday citizens. Uh, of course. Um, you could ask the Archmage, although she's not been herself lately. Her entire purpose revolves around magic and there is none. And I wonder if she has more or less given up for the time being. But as for people whom I'd like you to talk to, that's actually why I came here today. Oh. Your little friend there, and she points at Welby, who, like, is invisible, but, like, points exactly to where Welby is. <laughs> he's, just, he's just, like, on the back of my chair with his, like, hand. Yeah, his, you, like, you can uh? feel him, and she, like, <laughs> you know that he's invisible, but she still points and looks right at him. Oh, you can see him? She, like, points to her, like, taps her little spectacles. Uh, you know, knowingly. <laughs> it has been some time since a dragon was bought within the bounds of Emir City. When I saw it at the party, I was quite shocked. I would ask one thing of you, Mr. Arnagon Flinbar. Take that little creature to see an acquaintance of mine, Professor Peridot. He's a herpetologist, a studier of reptiles. He lives in Tarago Nook most of the time, so... Perhaps you and your friends might need to take another excursion. 
Ragnarok. Hmm. Tell me, what does it eat? What are you feeding him? Uh, um, well, he's got a bit of a sweet tooth, so cake, some pies, um, I did notice the other day that he ate uh, a spider off the wall, but basically he's been eating what I've been eating. They are hunters, dragons. Some call them the ultimate predator, and they grow quickly. Oh. Soon, from spiders, it will be mice, and then rats, and then it will be harder and harder to hide it under your hat, Flinvar. Oh. When it's eating horses and guardsmen, we will have ourselves a problem. Well, he could be vegan. Hmm. I think it best to deal with this now, while we can control the situation, if it's all the same to you. What do you mean, deal with it? I simply want you to go and speak with Professor Peridot. I don't okay. mean anything, I don't have any ill will towards your tiny friend there, but... Well be. If... I trust you, Flinvar. You have always kept your word and you and your friends behave quite honorably. But... There are members of my family who, if a word of a dragon in the city should make its way into the palace, who may not be quite so tolerant. Mm. I say, go talk to Professor Peridot now, and then we can at least know what we're dealing with. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, and I appreciate... I didn't expect to come across him, but now he's with me. So, I'm both responsible for him, but also protector of him, so I, I do take that seriously, and I thank you for the information. Mm. She um, puts her plate... Uh, back onto the table, just next to where the sending stone is, and she says, enjoy your cake, Mr. Onagon. Hopefully the next time we meet each other will be under less perilous circumstances. Yes. Flynn, roll me a perception check. Oh, I got a 19 on the dice. Uh, 19 plus 5. For a second, you could have sworn that you heard the sound, hmm, coming from the sending stone but also like maybe you were imagining it because it didn't light up or like there was no there's no other maybe you just imagined it okay Flynn you've leveled up <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell us about your level up cool so mine's pretty pretty straightforward I haven't multiclassed or anything I'm still a little old bard so I'm now level 8 I went from 70 hit points to 79, and I got my ability modifiers went up, and I put it in intelligence and charisma, because he's a little charisma guy. Nice, yeah. I also changed out one of my cantrips. I got rid of Minor Illusion and changed it for Blade Ward. Oh, neat. That's a cool cantrip. Yeah, just a little bit of extra protection. <laughs> awesome. Um, is there anything else that you um, got from your level up? So I've got two level four spells now. So I've got greater um, freedom of movement, which I already had, and I added greater invisibility. Oh, nice. Very good spell, that one. Yeah. Also, I did realize that from um, level six, I hadn't been doing it, but I get an extra attack with my attack rolls, so I can do two. Ooh. So you got two attacks now. That's awesome. Yep. Idafa. Hi. It's now been three weeks since Silver's birthday party. You've been back at work, and how have you been spending the time? I'm exerting my power of my underlings. <laughs> what does that look like? It means I don't thinking that he's more important than he actually is. And probably his employees just like 
doing the exact same thing that they were doing before, but like making fun of Artifa in a way that he doesn't seem to understand. Like sarcasm, for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're more of like, you're less of chef supervisor Idafa and more of like eternal emperor exactly. Idafa yes. now. Yeah, okay, I see. Rules of the line first. Yeah, so three weeks since Silver's birthday, you are out for a drink at your usual bar. You're just, you know, like you do, you like to sit alone and people watch and just sort of like, you know, hear the crowd around you. Mm. You've been coming here for a pretty long time now. This is where you used to wait for Amity. So you do know quite a lot of the people who frequent this place. And the bartender uh, comes up to you and does something that he's never done before, which is put down a drink that you did not pay for. <laughs> it is a rather old-fashioned looking gin and tonic, and he points to the corner and he says, uh, from the gentleman in white. Oh, this guy. He says <laughs> under his breath. And Idafer, um pops off his seat and goes, sidles up next to who looks like Poet. It is Poet. Um, he's sitting off in the corner by himself. Uh, and he smiles as you come over without his, you know, without his prompting and sit down together. I wanted to have a chat with you, lad. You seem lost. Thought an old coot like me might be able to help. All right. Hit me with what you got, old man. Hmm. I told you I was born in the Underdark, right? You did. My mother was Drow, the High Priestess of Loth, the Spider Queen, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah. Back then, it was about as high up as it got. She was the word of the clan. Oh my god. Ah, but then, well, Loth went away. And dear old mum, she wasn't ready for all that power to go away. So while everyone was panicking and running around, she reached out to a being, not of this world, <laughs> and she made an exchange. A soul for her life back. Um, who, uh, whose soul? Hers. But the thing about eldritch beings is they don't much care for us. They barely care for our souls. We're just a way in. And then mum had everything she wanted. She was head of the table again, and the people found the Dreaming Lord to worship. All lovely jubbly. And then I came along, heir to the mantle, a drow princess. And I looked like this. He points to his horns and his tail flicks uh, over the top of the table to, you know, demonstrate I am not drow, I am tiefling. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I'm going to be frank with you. Are you your mother's son? <laughs> well, I like to think of myself that. My mother would, in her stubbornness, probably call me her daughter, but... Imperial hierarchy is not the only of the old world systems that I rejected. Ugh, amen. So, what... Uh, let me get this straight. Are you telling me that you have a tiefling father? No. Huh. My father was drow. I imagine one of many uh, solid breeding stock that my mother would have had her choice of when it came time to sire a child. Good God. So, we're... Do your, um, features come from? It was happening everywhere. See? Magic and gods being no longer what they were, people were selling their blood for power. And so, their blood became tainted. Became us. Okay. Um, and Ido takes, like, quite a big drink. 
It does a big breathe in and um <clears throat> Okay, so um Well it will explain why people hate us. But it doesn't, Idafa. People hate us because we're different. But the thing is is that by blood I am drow. There are plenty of tieflings here in the city whom by blood will be human, will be dwarf, will be halfling, will be half-elf. But it is them who have done this to us. Do you understand now, Idafa, who we are? Do you understand what your family must have done for you to be you? Yeah, it seems like they um could have been a bit greedy. Hmm. That sounds of things. At least my current parents are lovely. I've heard. I do have one more thing for you, lad. Oh god, okay, yes. <laughs> he slides a small scrap of paper uh, over towards you, it's been folded in half. Ido picks it up, opens it, and reads... Uh, it's an address, okay. uh, written in scratchy handwriting. It's an address for uh, here in the city. It's a slum address in one of the very worst parts of town. Fantastic. Do you have the address on you? <laughs> It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, no, sorry, I'm not no. going to. It's, it's one, two, three, plot street. <laughs> Poet finishes his drink and puts on his bowler hat and stands up and he looks down at you and he says, the boss sends his regards. Keep making waves, Idafa. Oh, I will. And before you go, please make different fashion choices. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> uh, he laughs and uh, bids you adieu and leaves the bar. <laughs> Sweet. Does Idafa go to the house? Yeah, if he's allowed to, yeah. It takes some time to get that far into the slums. You see a lot of people, a lot of tieflings, but also humans, dwarves, gnomes, all kinds of people huddled around fires in the winter cold. When you finally, after maybe in maybe a couple of hours of traveling, reach the address from the note, what you find is an abandoned little hole-in-the-wall apartment. It's so close to the south wall that it would never get any sun, except maybe in the dead middle of summer. Doesn't seem to be locked, and some of the neighbours are giving you looks. Do you go inside? Oh, yeah. You step through the threshold, and suddenly you are a lot warmer. Oh, thank God. The apartment itself is just a single room, plus a toilet. There is furniture, all covered by white sheets. Roll me a history check. That is a... 18... But somehow you instinctively know what must be under those sheets. In one corner, that's an armchair. In another, a painting easel. Next to what must be the bed leaned up against the wall, there's a space there. But there should be a bassinet. Where's it gone? And on the back wall, your eyes are drawn to... It has to be a painting. The shape of it, up on the wall, it's definitely a painting. Um, I would like to walk towards the painting and uh, investigate it. You pull the sheet away, and it falls easily. The subject of the painting is a fat little baby with grey skin and horns, wearing a striped onesie and staring wide-eyed at a butterfly. Oh, cute, he says. (laughs) There is a small piece of writing at the bottom of the painting. It says, Our Last Hope, 11 months, M.S. That's a long name. Yeah, I reckon. (laughs) Our last hope. Which one's the middle name? (laughs) So, okay. How does Arthur react to this? I think he just... You said there was what looks like an armchair under a sheet, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's gonna go over to it and just kind of sit in it and decompress a little bit. Because now he thinks that he is way more important than, you know, his life would have indicated previously. Mm. And there's a lot riding on his shoulders. Idafa, you've leveled up. Yay! Why don't you tell me about your, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your level up? I'm sure well, we're all curious to know what you, whether you went druid or whether you went rogue. <laughs> I just went rogue. I'm probably going to stick with rogue going forward. I mostly just wanted wild shape from druid. All right. Um, so yeah, level six rogue, level two druid. All it was, was a couple skills, got some upgrades and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to tell us about? No, I think it's all yeah. good. I think we'll explore Everyone, this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is on a level eight level up, which is uh, different to yours as a level six level up. So that's right. (laughs) And uh, there we go. We are three weeks out from Silver's birthday. So go ahead and add another 300 gold to your (laughs) inventories. Wow. And um, as we do. Uh, on a, you know, nice brisk Sunday morning, uh, we meet again at the uh, courtyard outside of Murphy's Honest Goods. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I mean, I know we talk at work every day, but this is kind of uh, extra time. So how's everybody <laughs> feeling? Well, I'm dealing with an existential crisis, Karen. How are you, how are you going? Mm, uh, pretty well. Told my family I was magical. Oh, wow. I can only assume the boys are spreading it around the, the playground as fast as possible. I can so guarantee they are. Not at all worried about the consequences of that. <laughs> I feel like we've done worse, Karen. You'll be fine. I had cake and tea with the administrator. Oh, that was nice. Wow. Was she nice? It was a little bit threatening, a little bit informative. Okay. I have to go see some professor about Welby, the dragon. Oh, cool. Hmm. That does sound like a good idea, actually. I don't think it's good for a dragon to be eating all of that cake. Yeah, no, I think it may become diabetic. He likes it. Uh-huh. Listen. Yeah, I'm... listen. Look. The halfling <laughs> diet is great for halflings. <laughs> well, perhaps not your halfling diet, Flynn. I don't know how good it is for dragons. <laughs> Let's try the friend's cake. The uh, strawberry jam, peas and, peas and mints. <laughs> I mean, what are friends? Halflings need a certain amount of cake in their diet to function properly, and I can understand true. that, but I don't know if that's the same for dragons. Mm. <laughs> so you guys all head on inside. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as usual, Yanis is uh, behind the main counter. Um, she greets all of you warmly and kind of smirks at you a little bit, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie blushes. Uh, and she hands you all a little hourglass. And just sit, stands there and watches you. Um, can I roll insight as to why Frankie blushed? Yeah, go ahead. Frankie, roll deception. Uh, okay, okay, deception. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to know your deception first. Uh, same. Uh, not natural twenty. Oh, same. <laughs> I know. Um, maybe Frankie hooked up with Yanis and hasn't told you about it. <laughs> oh, he's he's gonna angry blush then. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Karen, what'd you roll? I rolled a 19. You're not sure. Maybe Frankie <laughs> and Yanis have crushes on each other. Hard to tell. <laughs> um, but Yanis does stand there. Um, she handed you an hourglass and she's just waiting to see what you do. Karen goes over to the normal door. <laughs> there is no normal door. If you recall, every time you come here, there's a different entrance to Murphy's back room. It's true. Can Frankie investigate the hourglass? Yeah, go ahead and roll me an investigation check and you can use your eyes on minute seeing if you want. Yes. Ooh. So that's 20, 28. 
Yeah, easy. So you you get right in there and you have a look at the sand in the hourglass. And you realize that uh, if you look really closely at it, some of the sand is slightly darker than the rest of the sand. And you can see a little arrow uh, that is pointing at uh, an umbrella stand nearby. <laughs> Frankie goes to the umbrella stand without saying anything to anyone else. Cool. Uh, yeah. There's just one single black umbrella in there. He pulls it out. Okay. And opens it. Everyone, for a moment, it starts raining on the inside of the store. <laughs> and you all kind of like... Uh, you know, shut your eyes and kind of like, whoa, what the hell's going on? I'm getting covered in water. And when you open your eyes, um, you're all standing in Murphy's back room. Okay, that's pretty Hi. cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 oh, I think that might have been the best one yet. Oh my god, you think you're so funny. You guys are actually wet in real life. <laughs> Murphy, young man. <sighs> How are we doing? You're getting pretty good at this, aren't you? Oh, oh. you know what? It's my favorite part of the day, seeing you four. <laughs> and, uh, you know, tricking you like this is excellent. Have you come here to buy Electrum and magical goods from me? Yes, yes we have. Well, I have some very good news for you. We have a brand new Electrum trade exclusively to Murphy's Honest Goods. So you can come here and buy your Electrum coins. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's like a little jar on the counter with about 30 Electrum coins in it. Um, he's like, cool. These are not cheap. They are going to cost 50 gold pieces per, just so we're all clear on what is happening here. I was given strict instructions by Alakast to sell you at cost, and I'm just not going to do that. What? Yeah. I got to make something. Uh, of course. You're lucky that I don't have an easy way to talk to my sister. <sighs> I'm going to turn to Karen and be like, well, you better find a way, Jesus. <laughs> yes, I know. Don't worry, I'm working on it. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. You can have a discount on the Electrum coins if you want, but you got to pay full price for everything else. Okay. Well, is that, yeah, I assume, wait, were you going to do a deal on other things? Well, maybe. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys are, you guys like my precious children, you know, my precious babies. I'm very happy to see you all uh, back in the land of the living and whatnot. Oh, Goo Goo Gaga, can you give me stuff for free then, Daddy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Frankie chokes a little bit. <laughs> So uh, why don't you go ahead, have a look around, and when you're ready to bring some purchases to me, come up here and do it. Don't forget to save some money to the side, and I'll tell you what, instead of 50 gold per Electrum, I will charge you 45. There we go. Thank you so much. Now instead of making 10 gold per, I'm making 5 gold per, so I hope you're happy. Yeah, I am actually, thanks. <laughs> um, I have sent you guys the link to Murphy's Honest Goods catalog. Please feel free to browse. Please feel free to <laughs> read things out loud. If you see items that you think are cool or you think are funny, some of them you may be able to tell are my homebrews and some of them are just one straight out of the book. So go ahead and have a look and let me know what you want to buy. Are the Heel Heels homebrew? I hope <laughs> the Heel Heels are homebrew, yes. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone has kept a uh, proper record of their gold mm -hmm. because th there is a reason that we have as much gold as we do. Oh, yes, uh, I can see. I love the description of the friendship bracelets, which are 14, 1,400 gold. Two bracelets, one says best and the other says friends. While two people are wearing the bracelets, if they shake hands and say friends forever, the wearers will gain the following benefits for one hour. Best gains a plus one bonus to AC and saving throws and resistance to all damage. And friends, whenever the person wearing the best bracelet takes damage, you take the same amount of damage as psychic damage. Oh. And you can also use one action to teleport from your current location to a space adjacent to the wearer of the best bracelet. Hmm. If the wearer of either bracelet removes theirs before the spell ends, both wearers take 3d10 psychic damage. Yeah, that's the that's the friendship bracelets. I thought that was mm. pretty cool. It's very cute. I like it a lot. I can see um, Frankie using the bag of balloons. 
<laughs> oh yeah, read it out for us. Oh yeah. A bag with 10 deflated balloons inside. If you blow up a balloon and tie it to a person or a loose object uh, that weighs up to 500 pounds, it will become weightless and hover suspended in the air for 10 minutes. An object or person raised by a balloon follows the same rules as the levitate spell, and the person who blew up the balloons can verbally command the balloon to move on their turn. Yeah, so 10 uses of the levitate spell, which is, um, I think, is a really good spell. Awesome. I just had a question about Dome, dome of Clownfish. Of course. Is uh. that like a one-use thing? Yes. Yeah, that's a one-use. It's a single use of the uh, Spirit Guardian's uh, spell, which is basically like makes you... Uh, makes you really dangerous to stand near nearby for uh, about 10 minutes. Jeez. Uh, I did have a question in relation to the skeleton key. Yeah. Uh, now, is that... Do, do we need to, like, carry around the skeletons, or are they just, like, <laughs> animate skeletons? Or, like, like... Basically, if you find a skeleton and you use the skeleton key, you can now, you are now in charge of that skeleton. Uh, what, 1d4 skeletons for 1d4 hours. So you gotta roll 2d4. And so they might become little minions of yours or, you know, one of them might follow you around for one hour. Uh, and can you also define skeleton? Yeah, the ske okay, it has to be the skeleton of a uh, humanoid or, or a mortal creature. So it has to be like, it doesn't have to be a human, but it can't be a skeleton of, for example, a crocodile. Okay, and how far through the um, decomposition phase does oh it have God. to go for it to skeleton? Uh, the creature has to be dead and at least partially decomposed. Okay, I mean, these are, these are important questions. Yeah, you are absolutely right. <laughs> and you what's throw a, what's acid a corpse and what's a skeleton? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can so you that's... throw acid on them to help it decompose a little bit more and then animate them? That is the most fucked up question we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> and we've asked some pretty wicked shit. We, we have, yes. But also, good question, because I just took acid splash, so... I uh, suppose, like, yeah, you could help uh, move along the decomposition process using acid, I suppose so. Okay, 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 let's think about this. Artifa would like to purchase the Earring of Understanding, which has made an um, appearance in a previous episode. That's right, yeah, we used that a couple of times last time, so do you want to read that for us? The Earring of Understanding, a clip-on dangly earring, which is very much Ido's fashion. Uh, while you're wearing this earring, you, if you are spoken to in a language you do not understand, the earring automatically casts Comprehend Languages on the wearer with the following caveats. The spell only lasts 15 minutes, the spell cannot be cast more than once per day, and the spell only affects spoken words, so can't um, decipher written language. Cool, so you want to buy that? Yes, please. And how is there anything else that you'd like to buy? I was also going to grab five Electrum. Cool, yep. Um, so that would be, uh, damn it, now I have made it 45, now i got to pull out my yeah. calculator. <laughs> it's 225 for five Electrum. Cool, and so uh, do you have uh, 1,325 gold? I sure do. Won't have much left after, but I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So go ahead and knock those off. So now we're up to, we're down to 25 pieces left in the jar. Thank you. Uh, anybody else got a purchase that they'd like to make? So I was quite keen on the oak dentures for 400 goals, a set of wooden teeth that allow you to easily bite and eat through any wood or wooden material. Yeah. <laughs> those have been in, I think, are those part of the bargain bin? Uh, they're, they're part of the returning stock, but not bargain, I think. Oh, okay. They've been they've been part of, like, I made those ones ages ago. Yeah, you can absolutely buy the, the oak dentures. <laughs> that is fine. Anything else? Yes, and I would like to buy some Electrum. How many would six be? 
You guys should have just want gone for 50 per, because now I have to use my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to make it easy for you. Uh, 270 for six pieces. Yeah, I'd like six pieces, please. Oh, uh, so that is a total of the oak dentures are 400. So that is a total of uh, 670 gold. Do you have that on you? Yes, that means I've got 639 left. Uh, Frankie and Karen, what are we working with? Uh, Frankie hasn't actually bought, because I don't think last time he bought anything. So he actually has quite a bit of gold. Mm. Oh. So Frankie is wanting to buy the bag of balloons. Oh. The skeleton key. Cool. Uh, that is, let me see, skeleton key. That's an extra 600. That brings you up to 1800. Uh, and 10 electrum. 10 electrum, which is an extra 450. Yeah. Cool. And do you have all of that? Uh, that would be 2250. Yep. Cool. Minus that off your sheet and add those items in. Uh, and Murphy gives you a little wink as you uh, as you purchase everything, <laughs> but he doesn't say anything. He just is like, oh, very good choices, sir. Frankie blushes again. Insight check. <laughs> <laughs> you've already done this. I'm not letting you roll again. You've already you've already no! <laughs> So I'm really gonna be I'm gonna be buying up big this time. So I'd like to buy the the ropey boy, the tricky rope. Oh yeah, tricky rope. That's a good one. I'm I'm excited to see that in the game from now on. Yeah, it's cool. cool, cool tricky cool. rope. Tricky rope, and also um, ten electrum. There's only nine left. Oh, okay. I will get nine electrum, but I can't tell you how much that is. I'll, I'll get it. It's it's probably forty five less of four hundred and fifty, so it's probably um, uh, three hundred or uh, four hundred and five. I would also like, man, I want those heel heels, but that movement's weird. Why don't you tell us about the heel heels? A real killer. The heel heels look really fun. Um, it says an expensive looking pair of high heeled shoes. Obviously, Karen needs them. While wearing the shoes, your movement speed is reduced by 10 feet. Very bad for Karen, hasn't got good movement. And as part of your movement action, you can step on a prone personal creature to heal them for 2d8 points of damage. So, great for Karen, again. Heal me, mommy. <laughs> so you know what? I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna oh, get them. Okay, this. get the heel heels. Eight hundred. Um, so you can just put them on when you want to use them. Like you don't have to walk around in them all the time. Yeah. Because as we know, you don't have to walk around in heels all the time. Just when you want to look good. Yeah, Karen wants to look good all the time, though. So you know, I really want to spend all my money. <laughs> the Dome of Clownfish is probably within your um, price range. Oh, it is? Oh, yes, it is. But so is the fancy ostrich feather, which I think I will get instead. You want to read that for us? Absolutely, I do. Fancy ostrich feather is a large ostrich's feather. While holding it, you can cast Featherfall once, and then the feather disappears. Yeah, uh, so I added in a few items that, uh, as I usually do, that would have helped last arc yeah. if we'd had them. Um, yes. So, for example, <laughs> we did fall down a cliff, uh, so uh, Featherfall would have been really useful for that. Uh, and there's a few other things in there that, like, I'm actually surprised no one went for the detection scope, because um, that's an item that's been around uh, since the very beginning of the show. That's the one that the um, guards and stuff used to find magic items. Yeah. yeah I was considering it, but I, I wanted Electrum. <laughs> oh, well, maybe next time around. Uh, cool, has everyone finished shopping? Uh-huh. You know what, yeah, I've got 315 gold left, and I think that'll be fine. Cool. And Murphy uh, is like, hey, um, so just one more thing. And he picks the uh, sending stones out of the cabinet, uh, and he hands one to Frankie. <laughs> and he says, so I probably, you know, next time you guys go out of town, I'm probably not going to be able to... Uh, come with you right i got a business to run i got stuff to do and i know you guys are always like running off into the wilderness and doing all kinds of things so 
if you need anyone in the city or you need someone to talk to or you want to try buy stuff from me, like, you know, distance, like, give me a yelp. I'll have this on me and you can always uh, call me if you need to talk to me. <laughs> call me if you need anything. But <laughs> it's got Murphy Prime. <laughs> Oh, Murphy, that's so sweet of you. Thank you very much. Hey, it's partially for me, right? Because, like, if someone comes storming in here and tries to break all my shit, who am I going to call? The police. The people who like to get <laughs> The town's guard? No, I know you can't call the town's guard. Of course you can always call us. We'll always come to help you. That's right. Frankie <laughs> says weekly. <laughs> Karen is stomping all over this sweet moment. And yeah. she doesn't know she's doing it. But I know that she's doing it, and that makes me laugh. And so that brings us to the end of another adventure. Yay! We see, across the land and under it, a new queen of Electrum swinging her axe into the rock. <laughs> she pauses for a moment, wipes her brow, and grins brightly. We see an old tiefling arriving home, a hot cup of tea being poured for him as he lays an amulet down on the table with an exhausted, relieved sigh. We see a quiet office as a tired Asima yawns but decides to keep working into the night. We see a cold, dark stone chamber where a big-chinned tiefling swirls a brandy thoughtfully. He gives an order, and an inky black shadow retreats from the room. And high above, in a tower overlooking the city, we see a boy's bedroom. Beneath the covers, a lantern is lit as he secretively pulls out his book and flips through the pages and watches. He stops on two pages, the first of which is here in this room, as a woman that we do not recognize hugs him and tucks him in at night. On the second page he stops on, another memory plays, with colors that dance over the sheet his head holds up. A disembodied hand projecting a spinning cube. Uh -huh. The image that cube displays is only one. The boy closes the book, but the memory still lingers. The memory of four figures on the cube. A dwarf, a halfling, a human, and a tiefling. The answer to his most important question. And I'm here to tell you to treasure your wife. Whether your wife is your wife, or your boyfriend, or like a lizard that you keep in a glass box, treasure them. Support them. Make them feel like they can grow. That's all. Thanks for listening to the show.